What you're about to listen to is an episode from the past. It was recorded before the Batman came out. And obviously this episode didn't make it there before the Batman hit theaters. But we thought before Oppenheimer was as good of a time as any to get it out there. So enjoy this look back of the Dark Knight trilogy. Giggly Gorilla Studios coming at you live from the trees of San Francisco, California. And here with you today, you've got Robert Pattinson's boyfriend and... And we're going to say Bruce Wayne's boyfriend because I don't know who wants to be Christian Bell's boyfriend, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It seems seems kind of sus. But uh, what's up, everybody? The Batman, as we're recording this, comes out in like, what, like eight, nine days? Yeah, it's like almost a week. Like, it's getting close. Eight days? Yeah, we're so mm-hmm. close. But uh, yeah, so we thought it'd be good to talk about the Dark Knight trilogy since it is the, the most acclaimed kind of Batman series that we've had so far in the in the film world i'm hoping the batman will get at least a trilogy maybe more than that and uh that could surpass the dark knight trilogy but for now the dark knight trilogy is is pretty elite and we're gonna talk about it we love two of these movies we really like another one of them so we're excited to talk about these movies and uh yeah, Dark Knight Trilogy episode from Giggly Gorilla Studios. So, Batman Begins is the first movie in this trilogy, and it is uh, the first Batman film since Batman and Robin, which basically tanked <laughs> Batman as an IP, because that movie was pretty terrible, even though we both think it's kind of fun. We'll, we'll talk about it on a future episode. But um, critics hated it, and it didn't make that much money. And so uh, Warner Brothers kind of shelved Batman for a while. And then uh, throughout the early 2000s, there was a dude named Christopher Nolan who uh, started making his rise to fame. He made a memento that was a pretty big film culturally. And then uh, he did Insomnia for Warner Brothers. So after he does Insomnia, which releases in 2002, Warner Brothers is like, my boy, Chris, what do you want to do next? And he's like... Batman would be pretty cool. So Warner Brothers gives them Batman, and thank God they do, because we get Batman Begins in 2005. Brayden, what do you think about this movie? I adore Batman Begins. It is, spoiler alert, my second favorite movie ever, next to only the next movie we're going to talk about in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a sucker for Batman, and I don't know how this movie managed to do it, but somehow... This is the only, like, Batman movie we've gotten that is, like, purely a Batman movie. Batman is the character of focus. The first half, he isn't even Batman. And I think the first half is the better half of this movie. And I don't know how Christopher Nolan does that. It's still amazing to me. Yeah, I agree. The first half of this movie is the better half. I think uh, the first half of this movie is just straight up some of the best cinema, like, ever. I think the second half is good, too. But the first hour of this movie just feels like it shouldn't even be possible to be as good as it is. And um, every time I rewatch it, I'm just so captivated by this origin story. I feel like we kind of have a tendency now to kind of roll our eyes at the idea of a Batman origin story. But when Christopher Nolan came out with this, this was the first time we've really seen the full Bruce Wayne origin on the big screen. And it's just so great it's so well done i don't know how nolan pulled it off like this man yes this is the best superhero origin i've ever seen without a doubt that's the thing about this movie like 
usually in superhero origin movies, you're just waiting for the hero to put on the mask. This movie wasn't that for me. I was like, I love all this. I'm into it. I know he's going to become Batman by the end. I am enjoying what I'm seeing right now. And when he does become Batman, I was like, this is freaking sweet. Like, it was a perfect build-up. It was a perfect lead-up to him, Bruce Wayne, becoming Batman. Like, all the Joe Chill stuff. Let's talk about that for a moment. Okay. That, the Joe Chill stuff is great because it's really, Bruce has the urge to kill him because he is the man that killed his parents, which is understandable. That's just a human trait to have. You want vengeance. But, and it's, it's interesting that Rachel Dawes, which is, she's an original character in this trilogy, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, okay. Original character. What I feel, that's what I thought because I have not <laughs> I have not heard of a comic with Rachel Dawes in it but you never know man there's so many comics out there yeah but Rachel Dawes an original character really is really kind of the what's the word I'm looking for the pinpoint of this movie kind of the glue that holds Batman together and uh you know he she is kind of the reason he doesn't kill and he begins to not look for vengeance but justice which is it seems like this that's going to be a big part of the Batman as well, because obviously the line, I'm vengeance, and the riddle we see in the trailer, like, uh, the answer is justice. It feels like it's going to be a vengeance yeah. to justice type of story. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I think the Joe Chill stuff is really good. I do like how uh, Rachel, throughout this movie, is Bruce's moral compass, like, really holding him together. And uh, I guess maybe before we get into... What's so great about the plot of this film? We should just talk about the cast because this sets up. I feel like people don't talk about it enough. This is one of the all-time ensemble casts for this whole trilogy. I mean, basically everyone in these movies is by this point either an Oscar winner or an Oscar nominee. Christian Bale is obviously Batman, but you have Michael Caine, Liam Neeson's in this, Gary Oldman, Killian Murphy, Morgan Freeman. It's just an unbelievable cast, and I feel like for at least, like, a lot of these, um, I would say Gary Oldman is, like, the Gordon that I see in my head whenever I think of Commissioner Gordon, Yeah, the, which is pretty impressive. This and uh, Batman the Animated Series, Bob Hastings, those are the two Gordons I come to mind immediately when I think of Jim Gordon. Yeah, so, I mean, with so many Batman adaptations... I, I just think it's super impressive that Gary Oldman and Christopher Nolan were able to craft such, like, such a standout, especially because the, uh, the 90s movies didn't really have a Batman-Commissioner Gordon relationship like we love to see, and so I'm super happy that we get that in the, this movie. But everyone's so well cast. Michael Caine as Alfred is fantastic. I mean, I'm super hyped for Andy Serkis. I think he's a great follow-up. Especially after we just had, um, shoot, who, who, what is the name of the actor that plays Alfred in the, in the Snyder trilogy? Jeremy Irons. He, he is great. He's great as Alfred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Him. All, all of the Alfreds we, have been great, honestly. Like, Michael Goff, he yeah, was, he was great in the, Alfred. he was great in the Burton and Schumacher movies. He's one of the few consistents. The Batman Alfred stuff in those movies was way better than the Batman Gordon stuff. And like you said, that, that is such a strong point of this trilogy, the Batman-Gordon dynamic. It's there throughout, it forms in this movie, and it carries on all the way through the trilogy. Such a good payoff in the end, we'll get to that later. But in this movie, yeah, it's... I just... 
you never really see a mistrust between Gordon and Batman. It's just Gordon doesn't know Batman at first, and he's a little sketchy, but he he's never he's never how you see the GCPD like hunting down Batman and everything. That's not Gordon in this movie. He knows Batman is a good person from the beginning, and yeah. in the end, the bond they form is fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. So, um, obviously, the the main kind of villain of this movie is Ra's al Ghul, which is uh, Liam Neeson, but we don't know that originally. And uh, I think, I actually do like that twist. I know some people have an issue with that. It, it is obvious, kind of, because it's Liam Neeson, I feel like. But um, I think the best moments in this film are Liam Neeson and Christian Bale training together, like, in the League of Shadows. Of course, you have, like, the combat training on the ice with the gauntlets and everything, and the sword. That's so iconic. And um, to me, that is really where this movie shines, and it's what I think of when I think of this movie, is that, re- like, that origin story in the League of Shadows. Yeah, definitely. The... Just the fi- just the opening of Bruce and the prison. He is going to prison to beat up criminals. That's what he's he's already devoted his life to that before he even dons the mantle of Batman. Before he's even thought about being Batman, he knows what he wants to do with his life because of what happened to his parents, and he doesn't want to see that happen to anyone else, which is just great. And also, you were talking about cast earlier. We also just got to shout out Tom Wilkinson as Carmine Falcone real quick. He is incredible in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, the League of Shadow stuff is obviously, it's, it's really good. And all the callbacks that come later, that's something that this trilogy is really good about is the callbacks. They call back to a lot of things that happen. So it really benefits you if you pay attention through these movies, which is, I think, what franchises should do. They should you know, benefit the people that are actually there for the story and what's happening. Yeah. And they, uh, the other thing I think, I think this movie is, uh, is paced so well. It is kind of on the long side. It's two hours, 20 minutes. I feel like they spent the perfect amount of time with Bruce away from Gotham city that once he comes back to Gotham, it's not like you're bored, but you're ready for him to be back in Gotham and you're ready for him to start figuring out how he's going to become Batman. And so I want to shout out the pacing because that's something I feel like a lot of movies struggle with. And uh, this movie, especially in this trilogy, just paces it perfectly. Absolutely. You say two hours, 20 minutes, that's a bit on the longer side. But like, ever since this movie, two hours and 20 minutes has become the average for superhero movies pretty much like most comic book movies are above two hours now and i think that's largely in part to do due to this movie and the trilogy because i I think first of all we need to talk about how batman begins wasn't like a huge box office success it made money but people were still sour like you mentioned earlier everest about the taste of batman and robin they weren't sure what to expect from the next batman movie and christopher nolan wasn't yeah. Chris, Christopher Nolan wasn't Christopher Nolan yet. He wasn't that big name. He only had two mo- two big budget movies before this, Memento and Insomnia. Yeah, and Memento isn't even really a huge budget movie. I mean, it still feels extremely indie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. But no, obviously this movie made significantly less than the, uh, the two others in this trilogy that came later. Those both made over a billion dollars at the box office. And um, 
I think it was really up to this movie to change the the public's opinion on Batman once again because I feel like Burton kind of got people into a Batman craze, but then once the Schumacher films came out, it was really going to be difficult for audiences to buy into Batman again, and this movie did it. It just took time, so it wasn't a huge box office success, but critics really liked this movie. Most people who saw it really liked it, and then obviously that pays forward to The Dark Knight, which became the first superhero film to make a billion dollars at the box office. Yes, yes. Obviously, the studio had belief in this film, because otherwise, I don't think they would have allowed the uh, Joker card at the end of the movie, not to jump through the end or anything, but I don't I don't think that would have been included yeah. if they didn't believe in this movie and in Christopher Nolan. But the, the interesting thing about this movie, too, is the first trailer of this movie, which I know I was super young when this first trailer came out. I did not see it initially. I wish I had. And Everest, you were barely even born, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I was in I was in diapers, bro. This first trailer, it the, just how it goes. You can't really tell it's a Batman movie until the end when it flashes to the bat suit. It's like, oh, this is a this is a Batman origin movie. That's freaking sweet. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that first trailer. I've obviously gone back and watched it. Um, I like how. I mean, this movie just has such a sense of identity, which I think can be an issue with some comic book films, is they don't really know what they want to be. I think Nolan had such a clear idea of who his Batman was going to be and what his films were going to feel like, and that's so obvious from the first frame of this film, and even the first trailer. Yeah, yeah, we've we've already touched on the League of Shadows and Rachel Gull a little, but the Scarecrow, he was... You know, when Batman Triumphant, those rumor, those uh, rumors were going around, if Batman and Robin was a success, which it wasn't, which we all know, uh, the, the next villains were going to be Scarecrow and Harley Quinn. So yeah, Scarecrow really made sense as the next big Batman villain to put in a movie. Rachel Ghoul as well, because Rachel Ghoul is obviously a massive Batman villain in the comics. And outside of this movie, we haven't really gotten him in live action, which is... Kind of surprising, because outside of the big four, he's probably the next most popular, aside from maybe Freeze and Ivy, maybe Bane. Probably Bane. Bane's really grown in popularity over the years. Yeah, but no, Rachel Ghoul is extremely popular. I'm sure we'll see him in live action again at some point, especially if DC continues carving out um, a connected universe, because I feel like Rachel Ghoul is one of those characters who he is totally a Batman villain, but he's so well known in just like the DC universe that he could be a good villain to kind of tie into separate things, yeah, even besides Batman. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure we'll see him. Take take the Tower of Babel, for example, where he takes Batman's contingency plans and uh, turns them against the Justice League. Like, he can be a full-on Justice League villain if they ride him correctly. He is... He's a very powerful Batman yeah. foe. He's probably the most what, adversarial Batman opponent, like Batman villain, that is uh, purely a Batman rogue? Because Deathstroke is probably... Yeah. De Deathstroke is probably, like, next to him, but he's not purely a Batman villain, like Raish is. Yeah. No, I, I still think of Deathstroke as a Teen Titans villain, to be honest. Because uh, after Raish um, is probably Bane. Been all over. In terms yeah. of physical, a physical challenge to Batman. Yeah. No, I agree. So... I think we've, we've talked about a lot of this cast. Um, 
Killian Murphy does play Scarecrow. He's really good in this movie. Uh, he's good in all the movies, but this is the one where he has the biggest role. And I think he's awesome in here. He absolutely is. And what's interesting is that, if you recall, Killian Murphy was actually... I think he was. I believe he was uh, auditioning for the part of Bruce Wayne initially, but obviously, uh, Killian Murphy kind of. No offense to the guy, which I don't think there's any offense to be taken. He gives off this kind of weird vibe, which I, I relate to honestly, and I, I I enjoy it. I love the vibe that Killian Murphy gives off, and he he definitely fits Scarecrow more than the Batman or more than Batman, so. I, I am happy with the choice that was made, and he is a phenomenal scarecrow, and I'm glad that they brought him back in the future films. Yeah, I agree. I think um, seeing sort of his origin in this is really interesting as well, and uh, obviously he kind of ties into Rachel in this movie, played by Katie Holmes, who does get replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal in uh, The Dark Knight. I think I think Rachel works in this movie. I, I think she's a little bit annoying at times, but... Um, I think her character's written in a pretty interesting way, and I, I don't hate Katie Holmes. I just think Maggie Gyllenhaal is better, but I think she does well in this. I agree, and uh, Scarecrow, something about Batman and Robin, of course, was the puns, especially the freeze puns. Scarecrow is kind of actually punny in this movie, like, <laughs> yeah. the, like the scene where uh, they're in the house or the apartment or wherever, and Scarecrow throws gasoline onto Batman and sets him on fire. He's like, you want my opinion? You should lighten up. And then he catches him on fire. Like, that is a good usage of puns. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I just, I really like Scarecrow in these movies. Although, I will say, like, the design they went for and the mask they went for with him is not my favorite. I would have liked to see something kind of... But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The design, it's it's not terrible i just would have liked to see something different but i think as a character this uh realistic kind of gritty scarecrow i think nolan finds a way for everything to work within his view which is super impressive because his whole thing with this was this was going to be such a grounded batman and uh scarecrow isn't the most grounded of characters but i think he makes it work really well I do agree with you on the design, kind of, but also, I, I prefer Scarecrow with the, the big hat, personally, like the witch hat. I just think, I, I love that for the character. I don't know why, from Batman the Animated Series and elsewhere, wherever he has a hat, I always prefer him with the hat, but I I realize that in yeah. Nolan's grounded, realistic take on Batman that a hat might be a little ridiculous, even though it might it could be realistic, but then you could, probably couldn't really take scarecrow super seriously i i love i gotta say yeah, i no, do I, I do love we always talk about the interrogation scene and in the next movie we're going to talk about the dark knight but i do love the interrogation scene in this movie as well where scarecrow killing murphy is interrogating falcone carmine falcone it is fantastic do you want to see my mask yeah no, Killian Murphy, I think that's probably, honestly, his best scene in this whole trilogy. He is so good in that scene, and I agree that it is kind of an underrated scene because we talk about the Dark Knight interrogation scene so much, but that is an awesome scene. It's just great. All the villains in this movie are great. The The main villain is obviously Raish. Scarecrow is the next secondary villain, and Falcone is the the major secondary villain, I guess. Raish Agul and Scarecrow are the yeah. main villains, per se. But also Scarecrow yeah, is just kind of so, rushed uh, working guess, for Rage, which 
yeah, we can talk about that more, but uh, moving on with the plot here, uh, it kind of leads us directly into the last major cast member that we haven't really spoken on yet, because uh, obviously Bruce gets back to Gotham, and he takes an interest in his father's company, uh, Wayne Enterprises, and he meets Lucius Fox, played by one of the all-time great actors, Morgan Freeman. I think Morgan Freeman is so perfect in this role, and it, it's kind of weird because Morgan Freeman's such a weird actor just in general, I feel like, because he's so godlike almost in just his reputation, and obviously the voice is so iconic, but he still manages to blend into whatever role he's playing, and I think that's true, especially with Lucius Fox in these movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. Lucius Fox is... He's a fantastic character, and also, he's a character most people had no idea existed until this trilogy, including me. I, I didn't, because I believe I saw Batman Begins before I even saw Batman the Animated Series, which Lucius Fox wasn't even in that much of Batman the Animated Series. Like, the only episode I can really recall him as is, is a Clayface two-parter, Feet of Clay. But who, who knew who Lucius Fox was before this movie if you didn't read the comics? Yeah, I definitely didn't. So uh, I think it's cool that no one would grab a character from the comics like that and make him so memorable with an actor like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we haven't, we actually haven't really touched on Gary Oldman himself as Gordon. We touched on the Gordon Batman dynamic, but Gary Oldman is such a great Jim Gordon. Like I, I am really ready for Jeffrey Wright, but I. Gary Oldman set the standard for Jim Gordon. He is, he embodies that character in every possible way. Uh, in this movie, you really get to see the stuff with his family, his his son, and that also carries into The Dark Knight as well, but especially his wife in this movie. You don't see as much of his wife in The Dark Knight as you do in this movie. And it, <laughs> it's just kind of heartbreaking, honestly. You just feel bad for Jim, dude. Like, He's, he's so busy with his job, the crime rate in Gotham is going up, and his wife is just like, Jim, man, just show up for dinner, why don't you? And it's like, he's he's got a yeah. responsibility. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Gary Oldman is terrific. This whole cast, again, it's such an all-star cast, and everyone brings their A-game and is able to craft their own version of these comic book characters, which is really cool. But, uh, yeah, so Bruce gets back. Starts talking to Morgan Freeman, Lucius Fox, and uh, he realizes that Lucius Fox has a bunch of technology that is left over from military programs and stuff like that. And uh, obviously the wheels start turning and we see Batman kind of start to take shape out of uh, this old military technology, which I think it's cool that no one, no one went for that route. Uh, it holds off the grounded thing really well. I do think it's kind of just funny i've mentioned to you how like like bruce just goes up to lucius fox and lucius is like yeah man i don't know i got a i got like a bat suit and batmobile and uh, all this bat stuff left over from the military you can take any of it if you want <laughs> but um i think it works i just i do think at some points no one stretches the uh, the realism a bit too far for me if that makes any sense but obviously it, it i i do think that they with the tech and gadgets and stuff, I do think they make it make it make enough sense because it's military grade technology. Which I mean, of course, Bruce Wayne would have access to with as much money as he has. 
And the Batmobile did not originally come in black, so I get why they made it a tank to go for the grounded light, because a Batmobile would obviously not be sitting around, and I guess Christopher Nolan didn't want to just <laughs> do, like, a one-year montage of Bruce Wayne building that Batmobile so he could have yeah. a car. So that that makes sense, and obviously yeah. the line, does it come in black, is iconic at this point. That is a great one. Uh, once we get to this point and you start to see everything taping, taking shape and, uh, like, Bruce and Alfred in the cave and them learning how to order, like, some of the parts for the bat suit in bulk, I think those are really interesting. And it just constantly builds to when we finally get to see Batman for the first time at about an hour, hour, ten minutes into this film. It is absolutely electric. Oh, absolutely. I love... I just love the whole montage of him building everything, like, especially the batterings. I don't know why. I just love him grinding the batterings together. I'm like, Bruce Wayne, you are amazing at grinding that metal into the shape of a bat. I don't know how you did it, but you managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how yeah. hard that would be to grind a piece of metal into the shape of a bat so perfectly? <laughs> it would be extremely difficult. And also, how do those things not just kill every enemy he throws them at? I don't know, dude. Those things are razor sharp. I mean, <laughs> they really are. But, uh, uh, yeah. Obviously, the uh, the first Batman scene, I feel like we should just talk about it, because it's so iconic. It's so great. Uh, and, the, um, the docks. I just love the docks the as a... cam and everything. Yeah. I, I just... I love the docks as a setting in this. Every time they go to the docks, I, I love the feeling it gives off. I feel like I am there in this movie, and... Very few movies do that to me, honestly. Like, when a movie can do that to me, make me feel like I'm actually there at that place, it's it's obviously a really good j job done on the production design's part, on the editing part, the director's part, just everyone's. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think this is by far the most real Gotham feels in this trilogy. Um, I think in the, in the, in the future movies, they kind of got away from, like, maintaining the, like, putting effort into making Gotham feel like Gotham. You know, it, it does get a little just chicago in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's the thing about this trilogy, too, is that no one was going for that realistic feel, but it also just kind of takes away from the Gotham feel, too, because Batman Begins, I would say, is arguably the most what should we say? I don't want to say supernatural, because it's not this, it's not supernatural, but it's more otherworldly it has that more gotham feel it just feels more like it it feels more like a comic book than the other two movies do but it still does have those real world elements even though a batmobile does drive on top of rooftops which makes no sense <laughs> yeah no but um the movie builds up to this scene at the docks for like so long but it's so engaging throughout that you never feel bored so it's just the most rewarding thing when you finally get to see Batman in this, especially the way this scene is directed with us, like, not really seeing the full Batsuit for a substantial amount of this scene. It kind of puts us in the, the criminal's point of view, which I love. I absolutely love that about this movie. I I appreciate the shaky cam when it's uh, in these Predator-type scenarios. Not so much when it's in the combat scenarios. I get the criticism there. 
But when it's the scene at the docks yeah. with all the crates and it's a predator type situation where Batman's just taking out enemies one by one, not being seen, it is it's the perfect type of directing for this type of scene, I think. Also, we haven't even touched on arguably probably the most iconic line in this movie. Why did we fall? <laughs> so we can pick ourselves back up. Yeah. <laughs> Which that line in itself just in it, it just embodies Batman as a character perfectly. Yeah, I agree. It is a great line. I think I think the script in these films is like always one of its strongest points. Like you can obviously elevate material with directing and everything, but if it's not there on the page, it it is going to take away from a lot and every, like each of these movies has it there on the page, man, especially the first two. Absolutely, and that that line also is going to come back when we talk about the Dark Knight Rises because when Bruce is in the pit, he has that little flashback to like his father, and he's like, "Why did we fall?" And that's what kind of gives him the motivation and the confidence to finally get out of the pit. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, we have Batman at this point, and um, I do think, at least for me, once we get finished with that scene at the dock. Um, the movie falters just a little bit in terms of, like, engagement for me because I feel like we've kind of done everything this movie really set out to do in terms of, like, being unique as a Batman story. But uh, I, I do think Nolan fixes that pretty quick and keeps it engaging with the reintroduction of uh, Liam Neeson and uh, how they tie everything in with Raish and Scarecrow. But uh, what do you feel about the pace of this, this second half here? Um, I th- I think the once it gets into the third act, I see what you're saying, kind of. But uh, the whole fear, it's like they're using a dehumidifier or something to <laughs> what send send fear all across Gotham, basically, and they're they're pumping it into the water system. It can be a bit faulty, but also I don't really mind because most of the character moments and the action scenes you get in this final act are. They're, they're really freaking good, so I can forgive it. And, of course, there's the line of, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Which uh, makes no sense, Batman. You, <laughs> you're you killing him. If, you, if you're capable of saving him and you're not saving him, you are... That's basically manslaughter, sir. But okay, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> that, that's the one hang-up I have with this movie, but I think the ending is so good that I just... Forgive that. I don't care. It ends on such a good note. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the uh, I'll look into it ending with the Joker card is one of my favorite endings ever. And uh, the Dark Knight has another one of my favorite endings. I mean, no one, no one knew how to hit it with the endings of these films, man. I absolutely agree. And the Batman Begins is, I think it's my favorite ending of all time, honestly. I just love it so much. It it sets up the next film perfectly. It showcases the Gordon Batman relationship perfectly. It it just does everything right there. It's the classic Batman Gordon on the rooftop scene. They're just talking. It sets up the Joker for the Dark Knight, and it ends with the perfect line of George, of Gordon saying, "I never said thank you." And then Batman just slowly turns around and says, "You'll never have to." Jumps off the building, it cuts to credits. That <laughs> I don't know a better way to end a Batman movie, man. I, I If you think the Dark Knight ending is better, I understand that, because that's also a perfect way to end a Batman movie. But 
Yeah, Nolan really knew how to end these movies. Yeah, and uh, The Dark Knight Rises almost has an excellent ending as well, except that time Nolan didn't know when to shut the camera off. Uh, but, uh, one shot, one shot earlier, that. dude. One shot earlier would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I just think as a whole, this film, it's got such a sense of identity, and uh, the, it's paced extremely well. The title is exactly what it is: Batman Begins. It's that Batman kind of year one, and I just think it's so awesome. Another thing we haven't touched on is the uh, the score by Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. Uh, never drive to molasses, I gotta warn you. <laughs> I'm sure you've oh, heard yeah. it before. No, you, you will get way too amped up. <laughs> it's, molasses is probably... You'll just want to start driving on rooftops and stuff. It's it's odd, because I think the Batman... The, the Batman 89 theme is still my favorite Batman theme, but I think molasses is probably my yeah. my favorite theme ever, just because it's it's still Batman enough, but it's just... It's perfect for, like, anything. It's, like, you can just listen to it casually, and it's great. You don't even gotta be thinking yeah. about Batman. Yeah, no, I think I think the score is so great. Molasses is obviously the standout, but I think this movie also does a really good job in kind of the, uh, the more somber scenes with the music. I just think, as a whole, Hans Zimmer is one of the greatest film composers of all time. He had help from James Newton Howard with uh, this movie, but... I think Hans Zimmer was probably the mind behind a lot of it, and he just he just knows Nolan, and he knows how to make music that perfectly fits the film he's working on. Yeah, aside from the Amazing Spider-Man Two, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is great. Yeah, we we can forgive him for that one, but uh, it's yep. definitely not his best work. Hey, everyone! So, everyone uh, has those bad work days. We understand, Hans. It's okay. So uh, I guess I want to ask you, is there, is there anything else in particular you want to mention about this movie or talk about before we move on? Because I know we do both love this movie so much, and we, we love the next movie even more. But um, is there anything else you want to touch on? I don't really think so. I think we pretty much hit on everything. We we didn't hit on the chase scene, like, super, super, but we, we hit on a little. The rooftop thing is kind of ridiculous. But overall, that chase scene is great, and... I just love chase scenes. You know that. You know that about me, Everest. <laughs> they just amplify yeah, a movie for some reason. Like if if a Batman movie has a good Batman chase scene, I'm probably gonna love it more. And this is one of the better Batman chase scenes. I do think the next movie we're talking about has a better chase scene, though. Yeah, the chase scene in The Dark Knight 2008 is excellent. But uh, it it is so impressive that no one was able to follow up Batman Begins. With the Dark Knight, he just with these two movies, he just did something that I feel like should be impossible because he ends Batman Begins so perfectly, and then uh, I think the opening of the Dark Knight is one of the most perfect film openings ever with the uh, the Joker team bank heist. Oh, it it's it, it just it's so iconic and it's so great and it sets up the movie so well. Yeah, it it, it absolutely is. It's one of the best movie openings ever, I would say, and this was. Most people, like, older than us, because this movie obviously came out when we were both pretty young, but for people that were seeing this in theaters and stuff that were really into it, most people had already seen the scene because it was included on the DVD, like, special features for Batman Begins, which was, I don't really recall another movie that has done that, like, shown the intro scene of the next movie in the DVD slash Blu-ray for the previous movie. Yeah. That is that is 
I don't I don't know. I can't think of any any other one that's done that anyways. It's it's a pretty I think it's a, a it's a very smart way to promote your next movie, I think, because you're showing them like the first 5 minutes of your film. So, you're kind of showing them a sample of what they're going to be getting. And like you said, it is a perfect intro to a movie and it gets you strapped in and that movie the Dark Knight never lets off the gas. Like, it just builds and builds and builds, and it does not let up. Yeah. That is that is probably the thing I love most about this, is, I mean, it is pretty long. It's longer than Batman Begins, and it honestly is a bit slower paced for what we're used to than with comic book movies, I feel like, in more recent times. But everything builds off of what's come previously, and it just keeps rolling, so, like... It just becomes a freight train that is just impossible to stop by the time you get to the end. Absolutely, and I would, like, you could argue this movie has multiple climaxes because the the chase scene we were talking about between the Joker and Batman, it's phenomenal, and you could argue that as a climax to the movie, but it, it just, it ends, the Joker gets arrested, and that could be the end of the movie. They could end it there and film a new movie. But no, that's only half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure, and uh, I don't know, I just think there, there's, it's so great in prison, and obviously we get the iconic interrogation scene, which is one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. It's just, it's it's so great, it's Heath Ledger as Joker, I mean, this is, this is pretty much both of our favorite performance of all time. He is unbelievably good in this movie, he deserved the Oscar for supporting actor, rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Yeah, oh my god, every... Just every decision that was made, whether it was Ledger's or Nolan's, or it just was something that happened, like the licking the lips, it just happened because Ledger had to do that to keep the makeup on. It just adds to the movie. Yeah. It adds to Joker's character. It makes him seem more sinister, more sadistic, because I don't, the licking the lips thing just gives off this uneasy feeling about him. Yeah, the entire the entire time, I mean, he just has such an uneasy feeling, but... Also a very, like, charismatic feeling where you, like, you're just so into this character because Heath Ledger, he knows when to ham it up at points and also when to really, like, dial it back and let the, the creepy undertones of the character come through. It's it's just a masterpiece, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty hard for anyone to ever beat it as Joker in live action. I think Joaquin Phoenix is great. I think Jack Nicholson was great. But in live action, I feel like this is always going to be the Joker. I, I would probably agree, but it's also, it's just kind of hard with the Joker, too, because there's so many different ways you can take that character. Because Jack Nicholson's Joker and Heath Ledger's Joker are obviously drastically different, but they are also similar in ways. They are both definitely the Joker, and they are both great in their own right. Yeah. But yeah, I prefer Heath Ledger's performance. And Joaquin was great, too. He was also his own Joker. There's just so many ways you can take the Joker that I would not count out someone actually giving a better performance than Heath Ledger, but it will. It, it's going to be a hard thing to do. Yeah. No, I agree. And um, I just think that the performance, it, it also obviously was added to a little bit because of his death before the film was released. I feel like that adds just another level to um how iconic it is and just how how sad that whole thing was uh 
he won an Oscar postmortem. So I, I just think it's a role that is just solidified in the history of Hollywood forever. It is that type of role. And it also continued a streak of Batman uh, cat themes that were not particularly like proving everybody wrong and being great. Obviously, Michael Keaton had that happen. Uh, ben Affleck was not liked when he was cast as Batman. Robert Pattinson had pushback. So uh, it, it, Heath Ledger is the biggest example of that, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely, because Heath Ledger, he hadn't really done anything like The Dark Knight before this, so I kind of get the pushback, but also, I mean, just with how movies are, it's it was really a bit too far, and we still have castings like that where, you know, fans push back a bit too far. It's like, just, you, you can trust the studio sometimes. You know, they have their jobs for a reason. And sometimes, yeah, they might make <laughs> they might make uh, questionable casting calls, but a lot of times they they get it on the point, especially with these comic book movies. Like, I don't know the last time I really saw a Batman movie where Batman was miscast because even with Val Kilmer and George Clooney, I don't think it was the casting. I just think it was the script and what WB wanted out of those movies. Yeah. No, I think um, as long as you trust kind of the director or you just trust the people involved, it is kind of silly to get upset at castings before you see the movie because you don't know what script they're writing and how they're writing certain characters. So I, I think more people need to chill out on being so involved in the casting of characters before the movie comes out. Yeah, and I guess while we're talking about the cast, we can talk about... We've, we've already touched on Heath Ledger, and we touched on Christian Bell, and Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Gary Oldman, and Batman Begins. But as we mentioned in our Batman Begins segment, Maggie Gyllenhaal replaced Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes. And also, Aaron Heckhart plays Harvey Dent slash Two-Face, which are they, are, they give two really great performances in this movie, and... I honestly think Aaron Eckhart's Two-Face might be the second best villain performance in this franchise, or in this in this trilogy, I should say, because I, I, Aaron Eckhart really does give a fantastic performance in this movie. It's just overshadowed by Ledger's because Heath is obviously so great, and obviously, I'm sure his death, his death definitely gave this movie some mystique and probably drew more attention to it, which is kind of a shame but it's also deserved ledger's performance definitely deserved the recognition it got yeah i totally agree and aaron eckhart is great in this movie so is maggie gyllenhaal dude what what genes were the gyllenhaal's parents giving these kids man we got jake gyllenhaal and maggie gyllenhaal like that's kind of crazy because they're both awesome i need to see maggie gyllenhaal in, in more to be honest but uh she is really good in this movie i think she is better than Katie Holmes, and I also think uh, Rachel as a character is elevated in this film. Obviously, she dies, which is a, a big point for uh, Bruce in this film, and uh, I just think what was on the, the, the page for, for Rachel in this film is on a higher level than Batman Begins. Yeah, I definitely agree. Maggie John Hall, I, I do like Katie Holmes. I do not want to, like say she was bad or anything but she definitely she definitely wasn't she did her job as rachel Dawes. she was a bit annoying at times in my opinion but i think that was more of the writing and just 
probably me being a man in all honesty than it is Katie Holmes. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal was an upgrade. I think she, I, I just think she was written better in this movie. The character of Rachel was, and I do think from what I've seen that Maggie Gyllenhaal is a better actress than Katie Holmes. Just, you know, a little bit. I don't, I'm not trying to discredit Katie Holmes. Just Maggie Gyllenhaal is like you said, she, I, there's something about those Gyllenhaal genes. They can freaking act. Yeah. So, um, Another thing I want to uh, point out that I think was elevated in this film from Batman Begins, I do think there are some things that actually, that suffered compared to Batman Begins, but another thing that I absolutely think is an improvement is the action scenes as a whole and kind of in general in this movie. I think most of the action in this film is awesome, whereas I feel like some of the action scenes are weaker parts of Batman Begins, especially once uh, Batman is kind of in full force. Like, I think all the League of Shadows stuff is pretty good, but uh, I feel like Nolan was still kind of figuring out how to direct that, and he uh, improved it a lot for this movie. Yeah, something, inter- something really interesting about this movie to me is it it both feels bigger and smaller in scope to Batman Begins. Like, it feels bigger geographically, but the story also feels more contained. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. Which I, I mean, I kind of love that because it really does allow this to be a Batman versus Joker story, which I think really works for this movie. Yeah, and uh, we haven't even really talked about Joker's like second. I get, I think it's his second scene, if I'm recalling everything correctly. The when he walks in on the mob bosses having the their yeah. meeting, and of course the magic trick. Want to see this mis- pencil disappear? Yeah. Tada! <laughs> Just, yeah, the ta-da is... The line delivery on that, that ta-da is so incredible. It, it really is. It really kills the man with the pencil. Ta-da! It, it really adds to this film so much, rather people see it or not, because just that one line and the delivery that Heath gives in that moment portrays the character of the Joker so perfectly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I just think... um. Joker, I mean, I think Heath Ledger and Nolan really worked well together because obviously Nolan went for such a grounded take like we've talked about before, and it would almost feel like Joker would be too big of a persona for these Nolan films, but I think Heath Ledger has total belief in that character in every single scene he's in that it makes us buy into him existing in this world. Because everything Heath Ledger does just shows that he believes in that character, and I think that helps this movie on such a big level. Yeah, and I think I think most of the memorable lines from this movie are from Heath Ledger because the I think one of the most memorable lines that we haven't spoken of yet is the at the banquet ball or whatever when <laughs> Joker has kill you. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> that one too is whatever doesn't kill you simply makes Great. you stranger. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. That was opening scene as well. But the banquet ball when uh, Joker is with Rachel and he's ho- <laughs> he's like, ah, you got your li- you got a little fight in you, and then Batman comes in. <laughs> he's like, I like that, and then Batman comes in. He's like, you're gonna love me. That that's one of Batman's best lines in this trilogy yeah. too. It's just a perfect. That is. And then directly after that, when Joker is holding Rachel next to the window and Batman's like, let her go. (laughs) And Joker just like, very poor choice of words and throws her out the window. 
this movie yeah. portrays Joker perfectly. Like, all the jokes... He's telling jokes even when they aren't jokes, which is just the perfect way to write the Joker. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in general, all the dialogue in this film is super strong. And one thing that people kind of get on Nolan for is being, like, so humorless. But I actually think the humor in this movie just works super well. A lot of it is very dry or doesn't even appear as humor, like you were saying about some of the Joker lines. But there are a lot of funny dialogue in this film, whether it's the stuff we've already talked about or going back to that mob scene at the end when he's walking out and he's got his hand, like, on the the grenade ready to just blow everyone up yeah and the, the mob guy gets up and he's like you really think you're gonna let you walk out of here and <laughs> just goes, yeah <laughs> yes that's great that is fantastic and yeah, this this movie does have a sense of humor but like you said it's very dry it's dark it's morbid but what do you expect from a movie that has the joker as the main villain his jokes are gonna be dark like if, yeah. if if you want to have a good, fun time, go watch a freaking comedy. Don't watch this Batman movie. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, I think Joker in every scene is just perfect. Obviously, that mob scene is iconic. Banquet scene is great. Uh, I feel like that banquet scene is kind of the first time we really see this movie as a whole because all the main characters are there. And they all kind of fit together in that scene in a way that uh, is is just really great. And that's the first time we really see, oh my god, like where this film is going. And then from there, it just doesn't let go. I mean, you have the chase scene, the interrogation scene, obviously Bruce dealing with the death of Rachel, and then uh, leading up to the final climax. So I feel like that banquet scene tip, tips everything off. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, I mean, everything was set in emotion way before that, too, because even before Joker met Batman in person, before they met face-to-face, Joker was sending these videotapes across Gotham, just killing the Batman phonies that were introduced at the beginning, the people that were dressing up as Batman, because Batman had set such an example for Gotham, which, also, I enjoy that, too. I enjoy that little tidbit that carries over from batman begins because by the end of batman begins batman had become the hero that gotham needed which is a huge part of this movie the hero that gotham needs not the one that it deserves yeah definitely and uh i also want to point out just throughout this movie i think this film is so far hoping the batman can give us some great stuff in in this realm but uh i think this is the best batman bruce Alf dynamic in any Batman movie just because Bruce is completely pushed to his limit in a way we haven't really seen in any other movie besides this one and Alfred's kind of reaction to that I feel like aided by Michael Caine's performance of course but their dynamic is incredible you obviously have the iconics genuinely just can't figure out what this Joker guy wants and then Alfred has the line you know some men just want to watch the world burn which is extremely iconic and quoted all over but uh i just wanted to shout out that i think this bruce alfred combination in this movie is elite yep some men just want to watch the world burn i was going to mention that another iconic line this movie has so many iconic lines in it yeah and yeah i do just throughout this entire trilogy i really do love the bruce alfred dynamic but i do think it's probably the strongest in this just because 
I think it was really strong in Batman Begins 2, and then The Dark Knight Rises, obviously, Alfred and Bruce get a little divided, which we'll probably touch on later, but yeah. it, it it is so strong in this, because if Batman didn't have Alfred in this movie, I don't know what would happen to Batman, honestly, because Alfred is his main moral compass. No, I love Alfred in all of these movies. Their relationship is super strong and begins, and I think I think all these movies build on their relationship in a really great way. Like their their relationship is not flat throughout this whole trilogy, which um, I feel like sometimes that can happen with a Bruce Alfred relationship, and sometimes that's fine and that's all it needs because everything else is going on, and their like relationship has to be that steady focal point. But I think allowing it to evolve over these three movies was a really smart decision for this trilogy in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, one other thing we really do need to touch on before we even think about moving on to The Dark Knight Rises is we've already touched on the interrogation scene a little but The lead up to that was the chasing, obviously. What did you think of Gordon's quote unquote death in this movie? Because obviously he, he got shot, right? And... He, he acted like he was dead. It was played as if Gordon was dead. They even went and told his wife that he was dead. So they, I, I'm assuming yeah. they did want the audience to believe that, yes, Gordon is dead. So when he shows up at the end of the chase scene, when it seems like the Joker has won, he indeed has not because Gordon is there. Arrest Joker, but that was Joker's plan the entire time. He was planning on getting arrested, and all he wanted was his phone call. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think the uh, the Gordon fake death, um, I think it works. I think the first time I watched this, I really did kind of buy into the fact that he died, and I was kind of surprised about that. But um, I think the reason it works is because it makes sense for this story that Gordon would want to keep his family safe by faking his death. So I think that works. And then uh, obviously it is a big moment when he arrests Joker, and I think some of the brilliance of this movie is that feeling of, like, satisfaction when Joker's arrested just to find out that he has planned this all. Like, Joker is the mastermind pulling the strings this entire movie. Even at the end, when he's captured, he still wins because of what happens with Harvey Dent, which I just think is so awesome to see in this story. And it's just cool to see a mastermind like that on a, on a criminal level and on Joker's level. Yeah, I agree, and... I guess just the last iconic line out there out there, at least I think so, this movie has so many of them, is arguably the most iconic line in this entire movie. Either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, which is obviously foreshadowing everything this movie is setting up, that Harvey will become Two-Face, he will become the villain, and also that Batman, even though he isn't, will also become the villain because that's what needs to be done to protect Gotham. Yeah, no, that line, I would say it is probably the most iconic from this entire trilogy. I mean, mainly because it is, like, extremely true, I feel like. Um, and it's just, I mean, I know everybody knows that line and everybody quotes that line. It really is terrific and it's used so well in the film because it takes place pretty early on, but it's, it's just subtle enough to where we don't really realize how much it's foreshadowing until we keep going with the movie. And then once 
it ends, and once you rewatch this film, it's like, oh my god, that is such a brilliant line. Because obviously, Two-Face is Joker's ace in the hole in this film. Joker's kind of backup plan for uh, if the stuff with Gotham and the citizens on the boat and everything doesn't work out. Which obviously it doesn't, because Batman is awesome. And the city of Gotham stands up to anarchy and the Joker. But uh, Two-Face still turns evil and Joker gets his way, which uh, I just think that's really cool. Like how this movie ends with them having to do everything in their power to to keep Harvey Dent's legacy good. I think that's a very interesting way to end it that I would have never seen coming. And it works so well. Yeah, and just everything that happens up until that point, how Harvey becomes Two-Face speaks to the Joker as a character, too, because during the interrogation scene, when Batman is getting the information from Joker, where are they? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Freaking, uh, Joker gives him the addresses, and of course, he switches them, so Batman arrives on time. It's not Rachel. It is indeed Harvey. The GCBD is a little late, so Rachel's the one that, you know... She gets sent to the grave. Harvey just gets half his face burnt off and becomes Two-Face, which I think if you're going to do a grounded take on Two-Face is pretty much the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree. It is. It makes total sense. It works really well. And then obviously get that, uh, that I mean, every scene in this movie is basically iconic, but the, the hospital scene with Joker disguises the nurse and uh, basically influences Harvey to go on the rampage that he does in the final act of this film, which uh, I think that that scene is so great. It's got the uh, the other iconic line from the Joker. There's so many, but the one about uh, the, the dog chasing his tail and everything, or the dog chasing cars. Yes. There, every line in, by Joker in this film is iconic. You see, I'm an agent of chaos. I'm just a dog chasing cars. Every, uh, like I almost know what to do with one if I caught one. Almost every Joker, every Joker line in this movie is iconic. Like I don't, I, most people probably remember like his lines, all of his lines from this movie, just because everything the man says has become iconic. Why so serious? Let's put yeah. a smile on that face. All of it. You want to know how I got these scars? And he gives a different story every single time because. Of course, the Joker's origin is multiple choice, which I also loved about this movie. I agree. I think that decision works really well because not only does it just add to his character, but it has led to fun speculation from fans. Obviously, there's the theories about him being in the military yeah, and think, all that. I think that's the most famous one is he's ex-military. Yeah. Which would but, make um, sense. That's why he's got a plan for everything, I guess. Yeah, it definitely would make sense. But, yeah, every single line is iconic. I mean, I always go back to the interrogation scene. One thing I really love is where um, Joker kind of pushes Batman's rule, I guess. He questions the validity of it because, obviously, Batman's beating him up. And Joker's just like, you have nothing to threaten me with because I know you won't kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole, the, the whole one rule thing, like, you've got one rule and I'm going to make you break it. <laughs> Like, yeah. that, that's all Joker wants. He just, all he wants is to beat Batman. He just wants him to break his one rule. That's basically been the thing with Joker for years and years and years. Yeah. But, uh, no, Two-Face, uh, obviously there, there's, um, 
I mean, I don't know about obviously, but if you're in kind of the film Batman comic book circles, uh, some people don't love what they do with Two-Face in this and would have rather they kind of rolled him over into the next film. But I feel like for them to make that ending hit as hard as it does, Two-Face had to die in this movie. I agree, and it is interesting that Sal Maroney is in this film, and Two-Face, how he become, how Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face in the comics is Maroney throws acid on his face at a court meeting, which is a scene in this movie, so I feel like that was just included to throw comic book fans off, because that is Harvey Dent's transition into Two-Face in the comics, but... Obviously, it doesn't happen in this movie. He becomes Two-Face later on. Yeah. No, I I really like that scene, by the way. I mean, obviously, this is my favorite movie of all time. But I just think uh, everything kind of earlier on in this movie sets up everything to hit as hard as it does later, which are always kind of my favorite types of movies. Like, even if, like, some of the setup may feel, like, a little bit slow, then once it gets rolling, you just... It's all the better for it. Like... One thing I, I wanted to touch on, which I kind of forgot about, earlier on in this movie with the Batman stuff, it kind of resets our mind to Batman from Batman Begins. Like, the first scene still has Scarecrow, and then we see him going to Hong Kong and everything, which is unrelated to the Joker, at least to Bruce's knowledge by that point. So I liked how it, it kind of kept Batman Begins fans back into it before continuing with its own story. Yeah, and you also mentioned the hospital scene earlier. Yeah. I would, uh, and we also mentioned the humor in this movie. I would be, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but I gotta mention the, <laughs> I gotta mention the scene where Bruce drives the Lamborghini into the van that is holding Reese, who is, the Joker is going to kill if Batman does not reveal his identity by whatever time. I want to say midnight, but I don't remember the exact time. And <laughs> Gordon's just like, Dang, Bruce, what a save. And Bruce is like, I was just trying to catch the light. And he's like, you don't watch the news, do you? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that, that is so great. Uh, I think Christian Bale was awesome in that scene as well, which I guess is one thing if I'm going to have any sort of negatives on this movie. It's that I think because of how big of a figure Joker is in this movie, uh, some of the Bruce Wayne, Christian Bale stuff isn't as strong. Like, I don't think this uh, performance by Christian Bale is necessarily up to the level that we've kind of come to expect from him because he is one of our great actors. I still think he's very good as Bruce Wayne. I think throughout this trilogy, he's great as Bruce. But... Yeah, I agree. I don't know. This... Batman stuff, I feel like at times, he wasn't as suited for. Yeah, it, it almost feels like this movie is the least we got of Bruce Wayne out of this trilogy, though, because obviously the first half of Batman Begins is all about Bruce Wayne, and the second half is mostly about Batman. The Dark Knight Rises is basically just a Bruce Wayne movie. Batman's barely freaking in the movie. This movie is more about Batman yeah. and the Joker being, the, you know, the old saying, same uh, different sides of the same coin, which has been a thing with Batman and Joker forever. Yeah, and uh, I think it is kind of funny that uh two-face is also in this movie with the two sides <laughs> of the same coin thing uh that uh, is true no, no one was just killing it man i mean everyone really loved this movie when it came out it made a billion dollars at the box office it was nominated for eight academy awards 
which is pretty incredible. Heath Ledger won, and uh, its uh, miss out on Best Picture nomination is what led to the Academy expanding how many Best Picture nominations there would be every year because people were outraged that this didn't get a Best Picture nomination. It is still regarded as the best comic book movie of all time and up there with the greatest films ever made. So this was, in most people's eyes, just a step up from Batman Begins in every way, even though Batman Begins was really well received as well. Yeah, I think I think other than it's kind of ironic that the best Batman movie has Batman as arguably the worst character i think bruce wayne is great but bat christian bell as batman is just kind of our ride in this movie compared to the rest of the cast it's kind of ironic that this is the best batman movie given that uh i mean batman is the worst part of the movie whereas batman begins i think it purely was a batman movie but this movie is an upgrade in every other way aside from batman i think yeah i agree with that i think uh no one just just elevated everything to such a high level for this film that, uh, I mean, I don't think Batman is bad in this movie, but I do agree that when everything else is just absolutely firing off and Heath Ledger is incredible as the Joker, uh, Christian Bale's Batman does feel like a step down. But I think it's just because everything else was raised up so high, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think the most heartbreaking line in this movie for unfortunate real-life circumstances, obviously, is... I think we're destined to do this forever. Like, that's such a heartbreaking yeah. line. Such a heartbreaking line. Like, I wish it could have been forever, it dude. Really like, is. I would have... I would have thrown money at that. I wouldn't care at that. Like, if Heath Ledger was still here, and Christian Bell and Heath Ledger were still doing the Dark Knight trilogy stuff, I would not care. I would be all in. Yeah, me as well. Um, again, rest in peace, Heath Ledger. It's so unfortunate that, uh, he left us so soon. I mean, he was 28 years old. Um, Dude, I am six years from that. That is so freaking crazy, and that's so sad. He, such yeah. a great talent, man. He really was, and uh, yeah. So I do think we should start wrapping up the discussion on this movie with uh, talking about the ending, because as we've said before, no one goes all in on the endings of these movies. I think the ending of this movie is absolutely perfect. Um, obviously there's like seven different climaxes in this, in this film <laughs> because obviously we have the one with Batman and the Joker at, at the top of the building. Um, the citizens of Gotham stay true to each other on the boat and then, uh, Batman and Joker have their fight, but then two faces on the loose and, uh, comes into contact with Gordon's family. Batman ultimately has to, which ends up with Joker winning because he got Batman to break his one rule which uh, is just amazing and then they have to cover up what Harvey Dent became I just love that this ending even after Joker was captured by Batman for for good now because of the death of Ledger um, Joker still gets his way at the end yeah I do I do want to mention real quick before I touch on this final scene the <clears throat> The car scene between Dent and uh, Maroney where he's flipping the coin and Maroney gets the good head and he's like, uh, you're lucky. And then he flips it again, but he's not. And <laughs> Maroney's like, who? And he's like, your driver. Ooh, and just, the driver. <laughs> it's so great, dude. But 
Yeah. Yeah, the the end it's it's so heartbreaking but satisfactory all at the same time. I don't know how no one manages to do so much in like the last yeah. 5 minutes of this movie because Dent dies, which is terrible. Batman is basically the villain now because like he said, he's like you you tell Gotham that I did those things and Gordon is hesitant. He's like, "No, no, you're not. You're not that." And he's like, "I'm what Gotham needs me to be," which is Another iconic line. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's so perfect. And it encapsulates what Nolan was going for with these movies, that Batman is the hero that Gotham needs. And he will do whatever it takes to protect the city and make the city better, even if it means him being the villain. Because otherwise, all of all of the villains that Harvey incarcerated would be released because... Which I don't get how that makes sense because Harvey wasn't corrupt while they were incarcerated, but like since he now became a villain, they would be released. I don't know how all that police stuff works, but I mean, goes well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> works well enough for me. It goes good with the movie. I don't really care. It's it's a perfect ending, as I mentioned in a a video yeah. I made recently. This is probably the best movie I've seen where the ending is the title of the movie, which I don't even know many movies that actually end end on the title like the last three words of this film are the dark knight which is just i don't know it's a it's a pretty unique thing and it's pretty yeah. freaking cool that they could do it so se- seeming yeah lessly. <laughs> i agree although although technically it's technically it's a dark knight it's not the dark knight but i could swear he said the dark knight hmm? i said i could swear he said the dark knight no i'm pretty sure it's uh because he says like he's a silent guardian a watchful protector protector a dark knight or maybe it is the dark yeah i thought he ended it with the dark knight like he he's a because he's a silent guardian a watchful protector the dark knight and then it just cuts the credits i'm like ah like that's that was fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) like dude i can't i can barely i can barely even nick nitpick this movie that's just how freaking good it is I'll have to I'll have to rewatch it and, and see, but uh, either way, it's so cool that they end it with that and that Gary Oldman entire monologue as Batman's running from the police is. I mean, I get goosebumps every time I watch. I I've seen this movie like ten plus times and I still get goosebumps. It, it I think it's just it's Gary Oldman, it's the script, it's Chris Nolan, and everything comes together perfectly to close out the film. Absolutely, I can't really add much to that. You pretty much said it perfectly. It is it's as perfect as an ending as you can get to a movie. I feel like these first two movies really did it so well, and I don't see what you can change to make either Batman Begins or The Dark Knight endings better. It ends on such a good new note. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, with that said, let's move on to unfortunately. Our least favorite film in this trilogy, which kind of sucks considering it's the last one, but uh, that is The Dark Knight Rises. I still really like this movie overall, and I know you do too. Um, I think it's still good, and it's a good ending, but when you compare it to the brilliance and excellence of the first two, I do feel like this one stands out as being weaker. Oh yeah, it definitely does, and yeah, it's still a good film. It's still a Batman movie. Still well made. I still enjoy it. I, I enjoy most Batman movies. Even if you make a pretty bad Batman movie, I'll probably still find things to enjoy just because it's Batman. Like, even Batman Forever, dude, I, I find yeah. parts of that enjoyable because it's freaking Batman. Even though, <laughs> even though it's not a good movie. 
Yeah. So uh, this film obviously takes place, I'm pretty sure it's eight years after the event of The Dark Knight. And uh, Bruce Wayne is kind of in, in hiding. He's been pretty reclusive since The Dark Knight, which makes sense because obviously he can't really be Batman anymore until Bane, played by Tom Hardy, forces him out of retirement. Dude, the casting for all these movies just can, continues to impress me because I absolutely love Tom Hardy. And not only do we get him in this movie, but we get Anne Hathaway as Cat, which I really like her Catwoman, not as much as Michelle Pfeiffer's from Batman Returns, just because I think that one's so much more iconic. But I think Anne Hathaway is great in this film. I, I honestly don't see anyone ever beating Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman for me. I freaking love her so much. But Anne Hathaway, she was great. I I That's why I'm... You know this about me, Everest. I, like, my most, I'm most hesitant about the Batman Catwoman thing for the Batman, but also I'm, I'm still pretty open to it because I've enjoyed all the Batman Cat, Catwoman dynamics in the live action film so far. And also something you brought up the other day yeah. that's really, <laughs> that I never even noticed was that, uh, all the Batman Catwoman movies end with a two, like the years that the movies are released end with a two, which is, yeah, that's pretty, that's odd. Yeah, I don't know, because obviously Batman Returns is uh, 1992, and then this movie, The Dark Knight Rises, 2012, and now we're getting the Batman in 2022. So, yeah, definitely interesting. But um, for me, I think, honestly, the the kind of big issue with this movie is it it is such a slow start. And obviously they kind of have to do that because we have to show... Bruce in hiding, but I just feel like compared to Batman Begins, which is so interesting and engaging with the origin story, and then The Dark Knight, which starts out with an amazing opening and then thrusts you into Batman, the first 30-40 minutes of this movie are just really boring to me. I honestly think that if this movie had... Well, first of all, if maybe it was a little shorter because this movie is long... It's, it's honestly not that much longer than The Dark Knight, but still, it's... I don't know, The Dark Knight is just a more well-made movie. But I think the problem with this movie is kind of John Blake, just because the movie focuses on Joseph Gordon-Levitt character so freaking much. It's like, it's like it wants to be a John Blake movie and not a Batman movie at times. <laughs> yeah, and I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well. I should put that out there. I'm a big fan of the guy. Oh, I am uh, too. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I totally agree. Uh, he is not the best character, and to not help that, they they feature him in a lot of this movie, which I'm not a huge fan of, and then obviously they, they do something at the end that both of us feel is a bit cheap and cop-out-y, which, uh, revealing that is his real name, your nickname is Robin, which I just think that's so stupid at this point. Yeah, like, also his name is John. They just, they just had the perfect setup to be like, oh, that's just a middle name because Dick Grayson's father's name is John. Like, you could, there's so many different ways he could have went with it that would have been yeah. more fulfilling to people that actually know something about Batman. <laughs> Which most people, yeah. I feel like even if you don't know comics, you know who Dick Grayson is. You know who the first Robin is. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, at least if you have any interest in like i don't know just batman as a character surely if you have any interest in batman as a character you know dick grayson yeah 
I, I agree with that. Um, obviously, the main villain of this film is Tom Hardy's Bane. Uh, we open with uh, Wayne jacking with his character, which I do think that's a pretty good opening. It's not on the level of the Dark Knight bank heist opening. I am Gotham's reckoning. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's a good opening for Bane. Obviously, the Bane voice is one of the most iconic voices in film history. Uh, everyone loves impersonating it. There's a bunch of iconic lines in here. But uh, it also is kind of difficult to understand, I feel like. So when you have Christian Bale's Batman voice going up against Bane's mask voice, there are <laughs> points in here where you got to turn those subtitles on. Where's the trigger? <laughs> <laughs> That is when Bat- Christian Bell's Batman voice is at its absolute worst slash most Batman. I know. I know some people don't mind it. I I, 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 I don't mind it, but even that line that that line is a bit too much. <laughs> like, calm down a little yeah. bit, Christian Bell. <laughs> I think I think it's great in Batman Begins, and then I think it is still. I mean, it's still fine, and I don't mind it in The Dark Knight. I think there's a lot of time in this movie where it gets way too much man like he's just i i don't know but anyways uh obviously the the big kind of inspiration for this was the dark knight returns and nightfall those two storylines were kind of the big inspirations because obviously batman returns eight years after going into hiding and then we have bane who uh sends Bruce into, I mean, he basically has to rehab for, like, how long is it? Do you know how long he's in the pit? Does it say? I have no idea. I'm sure it can't be that long because, I mean, Bane was only in Gotham for a little bit. He was already planning on blowing up the city. Batman was back by the time the bomb was actually there, so. I would, may, I mean, maybe in the pit for, like, two weeks or something because surely Gotham didn't take that long to, like, lower all the bridges and stuff. Which also, I don't understand why Gotham lowered the bridges if the city was about to blow the fuck up. Why did they, why did they not let people leave? <laughs> like, bro. Or, well, did Bane, yeah. did Bane threaten them or something? Like, if you leave, this whole city's gone in, like, two seconds. <laughs> I think that might have been a thing. I don't remember. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think most of the iconic Bane scenes in this movie are actually pretty good. Like, I, I, I think the football stadium blowing up is oh, pretty awesome. I love that scene. Such a lovely, 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 lovely voice. And then he just pulls the trigger, like, <laughs> just pushes the detonator. It's yeah. like, oh, Bane. <laughs> He's like, ah, I got a little bit of a heart, yeah, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that scene is really good. Um, I do think the the first kind of big meeting between Bane and Batman where Bane fucks Batman up is great because obviously you have Anne Hathaway there as Catwoman kind of watching it and she can't really do anything. Oh my god, and, dude. Uh, I love... Ugh, dude, Anne Hathaway's just her facial expressions in that moment are so great because... She lures Batman to Bane, but as Bane's just beating the living shit out of Batman, she's like, you can just tell on her face, she's like, I regret everything. I should not have done this to him. Yeah, it is a great scene, and I do love that for Man Hathaway. That was like, because obviously then after that, she when Batman comes back from 
the pit. She kind of does everything she can to, to help him and be on his side. So I think that was a super effective way of doing the, the Batman Catwoman relationship where Catwoman's kind of a villain at first or anti-hero and then joins Batman's side after she sees him just get destroyed by Bane. Yeah, I, I love Bat, or I love Catwoman on the, I keep wanting to say Batwoman for some reason. I blame it on, I don't know, Batwoman growing up in pop, popularity. <laughs> Damn it, Batwoman, why you gotta blow up in popularity? Why you gotta be more popular nowadays? <laughs> yeah. But I, I love Catwoman on the Batbot. I don't know why, I just, love seeing her ride that thing and i i love the scene at the end when she just shows up <laughs> and shoots bane <laughs> yeah take that bane <laughs> yeah no that is that is great um obviously then kind of the i don't even really know if you want to say secondary villain because she kind of turns out to be the main villain but is a uh, marion Cotillard's talia al ghul who we don't really realize is talia until later um, that's one of the things I'm not too crazy about for this movie is Talia. Um, I think the actress is very talented, but I just don't really like how they went about that. And then obviously her death scene gets memed a lot for being just kind of weird. So I would say this movie has the worst actual climax by far from the trilogy. I don't know if you agree or not with that. Oh yeah, definitely. I yeah, the whole Talia thing. I don't know. It was it's kind of weird because she was just Miranda Tate, but then it was revealed that she was Talia Al Ghul, and we also had the obviously when Bruce was in the pit, he was having like the visions of rage. He was having visions of Liam Neeson from Batman Begins, which it's cool that they. That's yeah. that's another thing about this movie too. It kind of feels like it just wanted to be kind of Batman Begins 2.0 slash The Dark Knight Rises, and that's also why it's so long, because there's so much stuff that ties back to Batman Begins, and there's also stuff that ties back to The Dark Knight, but the Batman Begins stuff just feels more direct, and they actually use characters from that movie in this, like Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> yeah. And obviously Talia and the whole League of Assassins connection, which yeah. I don't... I feel like this movie could have benefited from not having those ties, honestly, and being its own thing, because The Dark Knight, it tied into Batman Begins, but it was also its own thing, so I feel like just The Dark Knight Rises tying into the other two films, whilst being its own thing, which it, it is its own thing, but it also heavily ties into the League of Shadows stuff and Batman Begins. I feel like if it didn't have that, maybe it could have benefited. Like, if it didn't have that, it had a shorter runtime, it could have benefited. Less John Blake. Yeah. Um, less John. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm not, like, huge on Bane being completely just tied back into the League of Shadows and stuff like that. I mean, I think it works, but, um, one thing I do want to spend a solid minute on because I truly think it's, like, the best scene in this movie is that climb out of the pit. It is such an awesome scene and the score with like mixed with the chanting and everything dude i love that scene so much oh the chants are great it just <laughs> it adds so much to that score it's like this this is gonna get me hyped i want to go jump out of a freaking pit yeah no i i think because of how we see like bruce fail and everything and then the thing with um 
you got to climb it without the rope. You know, I think that's so cool. And, um, obviously that he, like, he kind of needs that adrenaline of if you fail, you die to, to, to get out of there and to elevate himself. But that pit climb is my favorite scene in this movie. It's so great. The score works. And, um, that I do really think that a lot of the Bruce Wayne stuff works. Obviously, Batman is not in this movie a lot. But I do think most of the Bruce Wayne stuff is pretty good in this film. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the whole trilogy got Bruce Wayne right. Not, I don't think they did Batman any injustice, but I, <laughs> it, it wasn't quite the Batman I was looking for. For Batman Begins was... But the Dark Knight did a serviceable job. It's my favorite movie of all time, obviously. So it did Batman well enough. And the Dark Knight Rises is just kind of like, yeah, Bat- Batman's here. You know, he's getting his ass kicked by Bane and stuff. But he he's here. <laughs> he's he'll fly a bomb <laughs> over the bay. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Yeah. This is the no, movie I where it feels like Batman does the least. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I've seen this movie multiple times, and like, still, all I can really remember is like. The first kind of chase scene on the highway when he reemerges for the first time. Oh, I do and love then, that. I do love that scene. Yeah, I, I agree. That scene is good. And then obviously, like the end, fighting fighting Bane and then uh, carrying the bomb out of the city. But yeah, Batman does not really do a whole lot in this film, which I think would be fine if it weren't for the fact that this movie is like two hours and forty five minutes long. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's John Blake the movie, <laughs> which yeah. I mean, like, uh, it's just like John Blake isn't even a terrible character. It's just like they use entirely too much of him. I did appreciate the stuff of like John Blake recognizing that Batman's an orphan, Bruce Wayne is an orphan. Bruce Wayne has the money to be Batman, so Bruce Wayne is Batman. Okay, cool. You're smart, John Blake. <laughs> but yeah, he's just in too much of it. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. He isn't too much. Um, one thing we said we would come back to a little bit is the uh, the Bruce and Alfred relationship goes through some rough times in this movie, um, which I actually think some people think it doesn't make sense that Alfred would just step away from Bruce like that. I think with everything that happens in this trilogy and in this movie, it does make sense and it does work. I understand it's annoying because we're so used to to those two just being, like, that father-son relationship just being so strong. But I kind of like how they did it in this movie. I agree, and that's another reason I'm... I was uh, I was satisfied with Catwoman being in this movie, because without Alfred there during a, during a lot of it, because of Alfred, you know, questioning Bruce's decisions and such, and just Bruce never taking Alfred's advice... Uh, yeah, Cat- Catwoman is kind of that his uh his moral compass and what holds him together and you know keeps Batman in control of himself. Well, she becomes yeah, that anyway. Totally she's agree. she's definitely not that in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to I would like to say just on covering more technical stuff is um I think the cinematography in this film is particularly strong. I think the cinematography is great throughout this whole trilogy, but uh, I don't know, something about this one I feel like, especially with the pit, all those shots in the pit are just great and really stand out to me. Oh yeah, I meant to mention with the pit, that is a, quite literally, calling back to the line, 
that why do we fall to pick ourselves back up? Because Bruce tries tries to get out of the pit. He falls. What does he do? He picks himself back up and he gets out of that bitch. Obviously, uh, this film, you know, it ends with kind of, well, obviously Bane's been talking about blowing up the city for the whole movie. Uh, I think another one of my issues with this, which I did kind of touch on a little bit before, is the climax just doesn't feel as earned. And even though I like the piece about Batman basically, like, sacrificing himself, taking the bomb away from the city, it it kind of feels like a little bit phoned in because it was, like, the end of the trilogy and we had to, like, end it with something like that. Like, I don't feel like the movie itself leads up to that moment in a great way. It just kind of happened. Not to say the interaction with between uh, Batman and Gordon right before he takes off isn't amazing because I love that oh, moment. Yes. A hero can be anyone. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. That is, I mean, again, Gary Oldman and just the, the, the way Batman and Gordon are written together in this trilogy is excellent. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the ending wasn't as earned as it was in the, in the two previous films. Yeah, I do, I do feel like that finale before he takes the bomb over the bay with Gordon is, it's really a good way just to, circle around circle around with this trilogy and like cap it off because in batman begins of course you see the flashback of gordon directly after bruce loses his parents just putting the code on his shoulders and then batman and the dark knight rises is like a hero can be anyone even like a young boy who gets a coat put on his shoulders or whatever the line is i don't remember it verbatim but yeah it's it's phenomenal and yeah (laughs) gordon realizes he's he's like he's like Bruce Wayne? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so I mean, perfect. <laughs> that is this 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 movie at its best. That is such a great moment. And uh, honestly, I feel like some people don't love the whole cafe thing. I think we're both in agreement. Oh my god, I love I love the cafe scene, dude. I wish it would have ended on that shot. Why did I have to go back to the yeah. Batcave? Why Why did John Blake have to find the Batcave? Why, why, why? Yeah. No one was literally... No one was literally, like, 15 seconds away from a perfect 3 for 3 on endings. Like, 5-star endings on this trilogy, except he kept going to John John Blake at the end, which is just so stupid. Like, he, he knows he's not making another yeah, movie no. after this. I... I love the Dark Knight. I love the cafe scene just because, like, when that moment happens in the movie before Alfred leaves Bruce because he doesn't agree with what Bruce is doing, he's like, "You're gonna get yourself killed," which I mean, essentially, he he does for all that Gotham knows. Yeah, but just the whole fantasy uh, conversation that Alfred has with Bruce is great. He's like, you know, I had this fantasy that I went to this cafe and I'd look over and I'd see you there. With a wife. And then at the end, he looks up and he yeah. sees Bruce and Catwoman is with him. Selena was, is with him. And it's perfect. I freaking love it. And it should have cut to credits right then, right after he saw Bruce. It really should have. I think I can kind I think maybe what Nolan was trying to do with the John Blake thing was just show how this Batman inspired people in yeah. Gotham. I that I feel like he was because obviously the Batman Begins is like 
Batman is a symbol. Batman can be anyone. But also, yeah. we we've only had one movie with John Blake. Like, who who cares? We don't want him. We don't want to see him as Batman. <laughs> yeah. So I agree. They definitely should have just cut from the cafe scene, and it would have been great. But yeah, I mean, I I can see what he's going for. I just I don't agree with it because I just think as a whole that John Boy character does not really work. And I love Go- Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think he's awesome in Inception, the other Nolan movie. He's I think he's awesome in this. Lot. I think he's awesome in this other movie. <laughs> that's not that's not this yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, I think he's fine in this movie. Yeah. There's just way too much of him. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I also just, I don't know, I feel like that character, I, I just don't see why he's in this movie at all, to be honest. John Blake? It, it feels like, yeah, John Blake, I just, I, it feels like such an afterthought to start doing it in the final film of the trilogy. And I get that Nolan, they needed someone to be our eyes in Gotham as Bruce is in the pit and everything, but I just feel like there were better ways to go about it. I think it's fine and all that he's a cop, he's working with the GCVD, but just to make him Robin at the end is ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, no, I still I still like this movie quite a bit overall. I don't think it's amazing, but I, I think it does its job to end off the trilogy in a good enough way where I still feel super highly about the trilogy as a whole. Like, it wasn't such a stinker at the end that it taints the other two movies or anything. I agree. I think I think Bane and Catwoman are good villains. I'm not the biggest fan of Talia. I think she's. I think Talia is easily the worst villain in this entire trilogy. Probably largely in part due that due to that we didn't know she was Talia until like the last twenty minutes. Then she dies, and uh, she she just didn't do that much on screen. All of it was off screen basically she was using bruce sure she was sleeping with them all that and all that's been memed as everest mentioned but yeah she's really she's really the only weak villain in this trilogy i think even the secondary villains in the dark knight and batman begins are great yeah i would agree with that she is the only like weak villain because i i do like bane i think tom hardy's really good although so it is always like it's just weird to think that this is a Tom Hardy role, you know, because obviously there's the mask and it's like the only role where he's bald and everything. So I, I do kind of have to remind myself that it is Tom Hardy sometimes. This but was maybe I, that's a good thing, like that he was able to kind of like transcend what I think of him as like Tom Hardy for being Bane, which uh, I still hope we get a more comic accurate Bane in the future with actual Venom, but. Haha, actual like, Venom. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we might talk about those movies in a future episode of this podcast. Maybe. We, we do like comic books. Well, comic we, book movies. We do. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think, again, for Nolan's view, uh, the, the Bane worked. I just, I wish Nolan would have taken a few more, like, more supernatural liberties with these movies or gothic kind of kind of vibes. Like Batman comic booky, which uh, I feel like Matt Reeves gets, which is a big reason of why I'm so excited for the Batman. I but, yeah, I'm so excited for the Batman. Yeah. I feel like it's good. I feel like the Batman is just going to be a perfect blend between like say what Snyder was doing, where it's like fully supernatural, and Nolan, where it's realistic. I feel like it's going to be a good middle ground, which I am 
highly excited for. I think it just fits Batman perfectly. Is that middle ground? Yeah, I agree. But I still absolutely love Nolan. Obviously, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Two of my favorite movies of all time. And your actual two favorite movies <laughs> of all time. I love them. So, uh, yeah, we will always be thankful for Christopher Nolan and this great trilogy. Uh, what are your kind of ending thoughts you want to say before we get out of here? The first two movies I adore. The third movie I still really do enjoy. I just have a few hangups with it. It's a little too long. It focuses too much on John Blake. But, yeah, the first two are great. The Batman Begins is the best superhero origin I've ever seen. The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's performance is the great before the greatest performance i've ever seen they they both have fantastic endings it's just a fun time and the dark knight rises it i wouldn't even say the dark knight rises drops the ball it's just a little bit of a step down but overall it's it's a pretty perfect trilogy yeah uh i totally second everything with that obviously you love batman begins a little bit more than i do i just think some of that second half does fall off a little bit for me but i still absolutely love batman begins and uh i definitely have the same ranking in the films as you do and i agree that dark knight rises does not drop the ball um it's still a good movie and uh the other thing i guess like maybe we didn't really talk about i also feel like nolan didn't really like he wasn't as invested in batman with the dark knight rises as he was for the first two because uh, he really wanted to go do Inception before The Dark Knight Rises. And uh, Warner Brothers kind of had to let him do that because The Dark Knight made a billion dollars and so did this movie. So Warner Brothers knew he needed to finish it out. But I think Nolan's talked before about how his interest level wasn't as high as with the first two movies. But I think The Dark Knight Rises still ends off this trilogy in a good way. And it is almost the perfect trilogy. Yeah, it kind of feels like... a. Uh... No one just wanted to do the first two. Like, he just wanted to end it with The Dark Knight and then go do his own stuff like Inception. But WB was like, no, 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 no. You got to do a trilogy. You're doing a third movie. <laughs> Here's your money. Do it, please. And he was like, ah. He's like, okay. And he did. Ah, okay. He did what he could. I'm a, I don't know if Bane was his choice or the studio's choice, but I do wish we would have gotten Riddler. I'm glad Matt Reeves is doing Riddler because it's... Riddler is such a great villain, and it's been so long since we've had him. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, the Batman comes out very soon. Once you're watching this, it's probably already out, or very, very close to coming out. That'll be the next episode of this podcast, talking about the Batman. Absolutely cannot wait. And, uh, yeah, we both love Batman. So, this was really fun to do. Thank you to anyone who's still listening. You are a king. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get out of here from Geekly Gorilla Studios in the trees of San Francisco, California. Catch you guys later. We love Batman. Can't wait for the (laughs) Batman. Be here for the next episode if you're still here, please. (laughs) Signing off from the trees of San Francisco.